Hello everyone, welcome back to a very special bonus episode of Uncanny Treks, where we continue our long pause, soon to be over pause, but our long pause from Babylon 5 versus Star Trek DS9 to cover Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3. This week we are recapping and, you know, just kind of retrospecting on Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3. I am Bob in Cascadia, that is Matt in the Southland. How the hell are you doing tonight, Matt? I'm a little disappointed, Bob. I did not have any Lower Decks episodes to watch this week. Yeah, yeah, it is kind of a shame. You did have a Prodigy episode to watch, though, huh? huh? Yeah, shut huh? the fuck up. <laughs> that's Baby's First Borg is what that's called. Baby's First Borg. I mean, you, you already thought it was bad that one Star Starfleet ship, Matt, Voyager, defeated the Borg. What if uh, one Starfleet ship crewed by four babies defeated the Borg? How mm -hmm. would you feel about that, Matt? Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much the, the synopsis for that episode, which is why we're not covering it. But Matt, what if they defeated the Borg through the power of friendship and self-belief? Yeah, you're making it way worse, Bob. I, I'm just describing the episode as it happened, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Pro Prodigy is terrible. I, I can't even bear to go on the Prodigy uh, hashtag on Twitter because just the idea of like reading people praising praising it makes me a little ill so. and this is the thing too folks and listeners if kids liked it i would be fine but i don't know a single damn kid watching this show matt you mean you mean you mean little babies don't have paramount plus subscriptions yeah little kids are not excited about paramount plus they're they're not going on there for the cartoons although i will say they do have access to the to the teenage Mutant ninja turtle stuff from our from our time which i think is kind of cool and okay. Rugrats okay. redone, Nickelodeon, all that stuff. So there is a reason for kids to be on that platform. But at the same time, it's like they're not watching it. They're not putting out action figures. They put out a pretty shitty video game. There were no costumes at Halloween. Come on. So, Matt, literally at the end of every... I always forget this, but at the end of every Prodigy episode, I have to jump off my couch, run to my remote, and smash the button to just get me out, uh, get you know, smash the home button to get back to the homepage of the Roku. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's always puts the countdown on for the Rugrats reboot. That's what mine like, does. No, no, I'm not having that on my continue watching. I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. People at Paramount, like it, because you watch Star Trek prodigy, we think you may like Rugrats. No, not, no. Did I tell you that story where a friend of mine was over here to watch something and the stupid Roku like showed like some children's cartoon as the advertisement. And he like accused me of being a pedophile. And I was like, <laughs> look, man, like we're going to sit here and go through all of my streaming services. I'm going to show you the continue watching. I am not watching this children's stuff. That is not me. That is just Roku flashes up anything on the screen that has nothing to do with me. Yeah, I, I don't understand a lot of these algorithms. Somebody needs to be fixing those things, especially well, I Paramount. I don't think the Roku thing is even algorithm. Like, the Paramount Plus get, feeding us Rugrats is, like, Paramount Plus algorithm. I'll grant you that. Yeah. But, like, the Roku thing, I don't think it's algorithm. I think it's just, like, okay, what what week? it's this week. What are we going to promote on the banner position? I don't think it's even oh, algorithm. Oh, okay. So you're talking about the main Roku page. Yeah, mine right yeah. now is, like, the Weird Al movie or something. Yeah, yeah, mine too. Mine okay, too. okay. So yeah, so your friend just needs to get with the times. You know what the pro you know what the problem is, is because we're hicks and we use Roku. Like <laughs> all my other friends are these, you know, they're sophisticates with their Apple TVs and their PlayStation fives and shit, and so they don't use Roku. And so they don't understand that we're they don't understand that Roku is not algorithmically <laughs> determined. That's it's probably, just that we're, yeah. 
That's yeah, true. we're Ro- we're Roku Hicks, man. That's that's what we are. <laughs> yeah, the, we needed we needed some Amazon Fire sticks. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right, so let's get to these episodes. These what we're talking about here, Bob. We're here to review and talk about season three, Lower Decks. We've gone through and we've classified the episodes. We have our great episodes. We have our okay or interesting or important to the plot without being great episodes. And then we have our dumpster fire. Nothing's on fire. I don't smell anything burning. Yeah. Happy to say, Bob, nothing in the dumpster fire this season. Congratulations, Lower Decks. We didn't think any of your shit was shit. Okay. (laughs) Nice. Nice. That was a nice way to put it. All right. All right, Matt. So uh, let's walk through uh, the great episodes. Uh, I'll uh, I'll give you a vague plot description, and then you uh, you can rant and rave. How does that sound? That sounds good, Bob. Let's... All right. So under the great category, I first put the season premiere, Grounded. Basically, uh, our Fantastic Four they steal the Zephyr Cochran ride from Bozeman, Montana. What do you think of this one, Matt? Bob, this is like the best episode of the season, in my opinion. So many little Easter eggs, so much Trek. If you didn't listen to our episode on this, you need to go back and listen to it because we really go into detail. I mean, this episode literally almost brought me to tears. It was so damn good. It really did. It was so good. It was a very satisfying wrap up to the season two cliffhanger too. You do have right. to that, yeah. Right, which we which we predicted would happen. They'd wrap it all up and be right back to where they needed to be. But yeah, yeah, I loved I loved the season premiere. Everything with the Zephyr and Cochran amusement park was just, I won't, I won't forget that. It's just cool. Just brilliant writing. Very amusing. Great to see James Cromwell back on Star Trek. Yes. That, that was nice. That yeah, was an added surprise, that yes. That'll do, pig. That'll do. <laughs> um, so the next one I put in the great category was the episode six of season three, Here All, Trust Nothing. That was our DS9 crossover episode, and it's also the one where Mariner, uh, instead of crossing over with DS9, goes to the salon hosted by Jen, the Andorian's friends. I, I gotta say, I was a little disappointed in this as a DS9 crossover, but the the subplot of Mariner and Jen at the salon was so fun that I didn't mind, and so that's what that that's what put me put it up into the grate for me. See, I, I, I disagree, Bob, because I think that this episode it's still great. You put it in the great. I, I, I agree it needs to be in the great, but I wasn't disappointed with the DS9 part. I thought they did a wonderful job bringing in actors to do the voiceover work. I thought that it was done the right way. There were just enough characters to satisfy us. We didn't get the Cisco, but that's okay. You know, we still had Kira. Yeah, they, they weren't going to do the Cisco in uh, Lower Decks, and that's okay. Yeah, we still had Kira, Morn, Quark. We got to see the wormhole. We had that awesome opening that just was laugh out loud funny. I mean, come on. I think partially for me, it was a little bit like the best joke of the episode was spoiled by the season three trailer, which is unfortunate. And, you know, that that joke of them just keep keep orbiting the station to buy time, which is really, really funny. And then I I don't know, like I I, I said at the time, like, I you know, I love Armin Shimmerman. I love Nana Visitor. I'm glad they got a paycheck. I'm glad they're back. But they're like aged voices. It just didn't quite click for me, which, you know, I. I get it. Like we we all sound different as we get older, but I don't know. There was also a little bit too much of like Kira and Shax having to big up each other, and like Quark and I think it was more Quark and Rutherford, if I remember the episode yeah. right. Like big upping, like it was a little bit like it was like I know these characters are I know the lower decks characters are cool. I know the DS Nine characters are cool. I don't need each to tell me how cool the other is, you know. Yeah, and I agree with what you said about Shaxx and Kira. And I, we we mentioned that in the in the coverage of that episode. That, yeah. 
Yeah, that went a little too long. They could have done like one scene with that. It should have been a running joke. The first yeah. time was really funny, but then they just beat it into the ground. Yeah. But overall, still great episode in my opinion. So next up, we got number seven, Matt. Mathematically Perfect Redemption, a.k.a. Peanut Hamper Does Avatar. Yeah, this one was kind of like an isolated episode where we weren't really following our, our Fantastic Four here. I think, honestly, Matt, it's my favorite episode of the season for that reason. Like, I want Lower Decks to get a little more experimental or to do a little more side stuff because I feel like the Fantastic Four's characterizations are, like, so well-established that, like, they need to do other stuff, right? Like, they either need to change stuff about the main four characters or they need to explore other things because they're you know we we know who the four characters are like that's super well established after two and a half three seasons of tv right yeah and i mean it was fun just following a different character around it kind of was refreshing so a great yeah. episode definitely worth a watch and it's probably going to set up the plot for uh, season four yeah yeah with the evil ais interacting with the borg in some way probably Right. And then uh, next up, we got episode eight, Crisis Point Two Paradoxus, which is the sequel to the uh, movie episode from season two, Crisis Point. Lots of just great Easter eggs and references to the Star Trek films series. I mean, we, we kind of listed all of them out in our coverage of this episode uh, previously. Uh, we get that really cool cameo from Sulu, James mm. Kirk's uh, Nexus form. So. Yeah, yeah, that was very funny. That was very funny. And then for another great episode we thought was episode nine, Trusted Sources, that's where we uh, revisit the uh, the junkie planet that Picard let go cold turkey way back in like season one, I think, of Next Generation. Right. And we also kind of have a climactic brain assault at the end of the episode. Fun episode. Fun episode and the best kind of sequel that Lower Decks can do to those absurd TOS and TNG episodes, right? Yeah, I thought this was great. It was also a good setup for the finale. And then the last episode that I put in the great category, I think it's going to be a little controversial for you. But I put in the season finale, Stars at Night, where you know we get to see the the epic clash of the California versus the Texas classes. So to me, this was a, this is a pretty great episode. I, I think it partly helped that you watched it first and you, uh, you lowered my expectations, but I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I'm going to have to get, I'm disagreeing with you, Bob, on, on this one. I, I'd put this in the okay or interesting. I mean, it's definitely not a dumpster fire, but it needs to be in the okay or interesting category. Lower decks needs to be punished for its safe finale. This finale was too safe. And that just led to way too much political discourse on our uh, previous podcast episodes. So. I think I think that was great discourse about about automation <laughs> and the threat of the robots taking our jobs, Matt. Why are, yeah. I, why, why are you so down? Star Trek is political. Why are you so down on that? Star Trek. What are you talking about? Star Trek's political, Bob. No, I'm kidding. I'm it kidding. literally <laughs> portrays a socialist future. I'm just messing with you. I know it is. Uh, Son of a bitch. <laughs> I know. I just to me it was. It, I want to go back and say it was too safe. There was a, I, yeah, I feel like they could have yeah. done more. I feel like the, there should have been more to it. There wasn't really a cliffhanger. In, at in the our end. coverage, we did talk about how it was fairly redundant of things, especially from the season one finale. Yeah, we've seen it before, and that's that's yeah. why I, I would just put it in the okay category. Which is why I go back to Mathematically Perfect Redemption being my favorite episode of the season. <laughs> right. It definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that episode definitely does not follow a, a, a very specific framework like all the others do. Yeah. All right. So like we said, that's the great that's the great classifications. Although if you listen to Matt, Stars at Night uh, would belong in the next category, the OK or interesting or important without being great. 
Also, like we said, the dumpster fire is, is empty, so we'll quickly profile the rest of the uh, of the season. So we had Least Dangerous Games, which was episode two. That's where Boimler says yes to being hunted by Cranch. Any thoughts on uh, Least Dangerous Game, Matt? It was a fun episode. Nothing really memorable about it other than the whole Boimler getting killed kind of thing or almost on the brink of death. Yeah, there were some solid gags in it. There were some solid gags. Yeah. And then we had episode three, which was mining for the mines. Mines, which I I got to say, uh, A plus on the alliteration. Killer, killer. Uh, but that's where we have our Cerritos Fantastic Four in a showdown with their rivals on the Carlsbad while uh, they're trying to clear psychic landmines. And it's also the episode that introduces the subplot of Migliamu being Tindy's mentor. Any thoughts on mining for the mines, mines, Matt? Okay, that episode to me was boring. There just seemed like there could have been so much more they could have done with the with the fear, with the uh, you know their greatest fears coming out, or the, the mm-hmm. they did some funny kind of stuff like the clowns and the clown Klingons and the Borg. Maybe that was okay. The Borg was it a Borg mm-hmm. snake? Yeah, Borg snake. Borg snake, I believe. Yeah, that was kind of cool. And, but and Quetzalcoatl, Matt. Don't forget about Quetzalcoatl. Yeah. Those things were okay, but it just wasn't really, I don't know, I just did not really enjoy this episode as much as I did some of the others, so for that reason, I'm just, it goes in the okay category. Yeah, yeah, I I think I liked it a little more than you, but I hear what you're saying. And then number four was, uh, well, not episode number four, not position number four. Episode number four was Room for Growth. Uh, That's the episode where Captain Freeman coerces the Cerritos engineers into taking a spa day. Uh, while the rest of our Fantastic Four some quest for a new room and you know go through all the uh, all all the sewage parts of the ship, basically, it was a fun episode. Yeah, once again, it was a fun episode. I, I enjoyed the B plot, I think, more than I did the A plot. Um, oh, I, I think I would disagree. I, I enjoyed like uh, Freeman like just spazzing out <laughs> at the spa. That was great. I, I really yeah. liked it. Yeah, Can I say spazzing out, or is that is that politically incorrect these days? I don't know. I'll just say it. I don't. I don't even know why that wouldn't be okay. But go for it. Uh, I I don't I don't want to get into why it might not be. <laughs> Listeners, do I need to beep out the word spazzing? Yeah, seriously. Hit us up on seriously. Twitter and let us know. I'm kidding. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, dear God, please don't tweet at me about that. Yeah. Um, and then the final one is uh, for the okay category, which is kind of interesting because you'll notice that our division is basically the premiere and the last five episodes go into the great, and then the first, uh, the episodes two through five <laughs> go into the um, into the okay category. But episode five, um, reflections, that's where we have Rutherford's original personality emerging while uh, Boimler and Mariner table at the jobs fair. Which, honestly, I was really tempted to pick this as my worst episode um, for the season. Because the Rutherford's original personality plot, I was not a huge fan. But the Boimler-Mariner subplot at the job fair was so good that I couldn't put it in my worst spot. Yeah, Boimler and Mariner subplot probably saved this from the dumpster fire. So congratulations to whoever came up with that idea. Definitely, definitely. So we already talked about our favorite episodes, Matt. You went with the season premiere, Grounded. I went with Mathematically Perfect Redemption for Peanut Hamper. Uh, But what did, and I said that good old Reflections was almost my least favorite. What was actually your least favorite episode this season? Mining for the Minds, uh, God, I can't even say it. Mining for the Minds, Minds. It was just boring to me. I didn't enjoy that episode. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I I almost went with Reflections, but I guess I'll go with Least Dangerous Game. I really like Least Dangerous Game, though. Yeah. It's, it's very solid. I just can't think of anything else because I'm a little more positive on Mining for the Mind's Mines than you. And yeah, so I can't think of what else to put to put at the bottom. Yeah, most of these episodes, I and mean, we say least favorite, but it's these are still way better than some of the other things we've reviewed in the past. So keep that in mind. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean yeah. compared to compared to Prodigy, this is all amazing. So uh, anything surprise you this season? Uh, I was kind of surprised at the extent they went for the DS Nine episode, getting in Armin Shimmerman and Nana Visitor. Visually, the way everything looked, I thought that was awesome. And then I was also surprised by the Sulu appearance in episode eight. So. Oh, yeah. I, I, I got to say, I'm not... If you grant that they're going to do a DS9 episode, I think they did it about the way I would expect it, right? So yeah. I, I wouldn't say I'm too surprised about that. But I, I agree with you that the Sulu subbing in for Kirk in the Nexus was an amazingly funny gag on a couple of levels. So I, re I really like that. I, I would say, and I, I've sounded really positive thus far, and I am, but I... While we were doing week-to-week -week coverage, including the week-to-week -week coverage of the back half of the season, which is the better half of the season, I was a little grouchy about the season being in a rut, and I still think it's a little bit in a rut. Like, it's not bad by any means, but it's just, you know, the formula's been very well established across three seasons. Yeah, they're going to have to make some changes, hopefully, for next season, maybe kind of get out of that. Yeah, and I mean, we already talked about this in our finale recap, but the Vulcan officer who they weirdly like teased at the end of season two, it's like bringing her in, like finally, which they also teased her at the end of season three, bringing her in onto the cast in season four would be a really good step into complicating the relationship of the, our four main characters. And I think we've, we complained about this in the season finale, but doing something a little more ongoing with mariners and archaeologist or having like mariners um little bisexual love interest archaeologist be a more important part of the show that could have been something to change it up right oh yeah for sure i mean but she's already gone so <laughs> yeah yeah and we didn't even catch yeah. her name honestly i think you figured it out eventually right like yeah like i literally don't know that they ever said it on the show right <laughs> She was in, she was in like, I guess, depending on how you count it, two and a half or three episodes, but I literally don't think they ever said her name on no. Oh, man. So, Matt, uh, since we're talking character, who was your favorite or the best developed or the most interesting character this season? Man, I got to go with Mariner, because especially in that episode, uh, Trusted Sources, we find out, you know, that she didn't actually, she wasn't the one telling all those things, bad things about the ship. She was actually mm -hmm. spinning it on a positive side. So yeah, her character yeah. has definitely developed way far from what it was in season one. Yeah, I, I would agree with you, and I would still have to give it to Mariner, but I will say that both Tindy and Boimler like were developed this season. So there there was some development, even though, you know, I have been saying throughout this that the four characters are very well established, but there there have been some growth or change there. Now Bob, when it comes to least favorite major character, uh, I feel like Rutherford Rutherford's implants seem to get way more time this season than Rutherford did. Mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. And he did have a couple of good one-liners here and there, but he almost felt like a minor character this season. In yeah, my opinion. I kind of wanted to give least favorite to Rutherford because, yeah, I wasn't digging the Rutherford implant subplot either. But like you said, Rutherford still made some of the best jokes 
on the show. So I guess I'll, I'll keep Boimler, even though Boimler is slowly growing on me, but <laughs> I still hate him. I mean, granted, I think the main thing that makes Boimler grow on me is just he's not that stupid boy captain from Prodigy. Right. I've, I've seen true horror, and it's that stupid boy captain from Prodigy. Yeah, now that you have someone to compare him to, it's like, oh, yeah, it could be way worse. Oh, God. What if, what if they take our advice, Matt, and they really disrupt Lower Decks by doing a Prodigy crossover in oh, season Oh, gross. Four? Please Jesus don't. Christ. Please don't. All right. So, Matt, who is your uh, favorite minor character this season? Okay, it's either going to be, I'm either going to give it to Ransom or Shax, because we learn a lot about Ransom this season, you know, that he has like his own little clique of guys that he hangs out with. Yeah, his own Fantastic Four. Yeah, he's got his own Fantastic Four. So uh, to me, that really what that shows is that everything Boimler and that Fantastic Four is striving to become, it's just the exact same damn thing at the next level. <laughs> like, yeah, who, who, was, who was Ransom's Fantastic Four? It was like... The bartender, the transporter chief, and the nurse, is that right? I think so, yeah, yeah, that was it. And then Wild. the the other one I would give it to is Shax, uh, because of his uh in the finale he finally got his chance to shine and he also had some just hilarious scenes throughout, like the entire season. Yeah, that 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 I think this was also in the finale or the the anti or the penultimate episode, but it we airs at Boiler. Oh, so all Bajorans are the same, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's got some hilarious lines. Yeah, that was great. Um, I, I think I'll give my favorite minor character not to Dr. Tayana or Shax individually, but to them as a couple. Specifically, uh, I believe that's the episode where they're trekking all over the ship, so that would be room for growth. And they come in on Tayana and Shax doing Bonnie and Clyde on the holodeck. That was hilarious. Yeah, it was brilliant. Uh, not not just not just not just not just doing Bonnie and Clyde, Bob, but about the fuck like or in yeah the, yeah in, yeah 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 the, i'm it, pretty sure bonnie and clyde also fucked while robbing a bank i don't <laughs> while I might robbing a bank I mean, yeah i'm sure they did yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right yeah you anyway. ever see the uh you ever see the uh the what's his face uh Dick warren, Tracy. Beatty. warren Beatty. you ever see the warren Beatty fade down away bonnie and clyde i have yeah yeah great movie great movie um so who's your least favorite minor character from the season matt uh, i gotta give it to miguel uh, he had that one decent scene on the bridge where he was in command, but that was it. Every I mean, other scene I don't, he was in, I hated. I agree with you that Miglimu is like the worst, but he's also supposed to be the worst. So in that sense, he's kind of working, no? Yeah, you're supposed to hate him. Yeah, yeah. I, I, so if I wasn't going to give it to Miglimu, I would give it to not the archaeologist herself, but just the fact that she's not going to get developed as a character at all. Yeah, she's gone. Yeah. Just oh, a shame. So any any wasted potential this season, Matt? So the premiere was really strong, and the finale was kind of weak. And then everything in between, like we kind of mentioned, was, yeah, you know, it was okay. You know what I mean? Like most of our yeah. episodes in The Good were kind of in the middle. Um, and then, like you've already mentioned before, I feel like the archaeologist character totally could have been explored way more. And then Jennifer the Andorian... Yeah, this is the one I think you're dead on about, right? Like, kind of like they keep teasing the Vulcan. Like, I think, didn't they basically establish that Jen and Mariner had a thing late last season? Am I, yes, am I right did. in remembering that? Yeah, they did, yes. And so Mariner and Jen's relationship could have really been a thing this season. And with the exception of that really fun episode um, about the <laughs> Mariner going to the salon, 
it was not it was a total waste and it's not even clear if they're together like they it, like they maybe broke up off screen like it's so weird yeah there, there's so much more they could have explored with that and they didn't see i'm hoping season four brings them back together they kind of hinted at that at the, at the end but yeah um, it was kind of ambiguous because you could have read it as okay they're just back together or you could have read it as like oh jen's a little wistful that she was wrong about mariner right right yeah, and also just kind of a shame, right? Because this, I think, will be the first really developed lesbian relationship, a really developed, say, yeah, female same-sex relationship in Star Trek. Am I forgetting it? Am I forgetting one? Not that I'm aware of, no. Yeah, so like it really, it really deserves, you know, it really deserves better than than it got this season. Yeah, and I feel like we kind of explored that topic a little bit with uh, Talia Winters and uh, Susan Ivanova on Babylon Five. Yeah, yeah, but at least that, like, you understand it was the 90s, probably the networks weren't going to let JMS actually fully do it, right? Right, and I don't think there's anything like that on DS9, so... No, I mean, there's definitely subtext between, like, Dax and Kira, but it's only subtext, right? Right, and Google searches. And Google searches, and Google searches. All right, Matt. So one other thing I wanted to kind of self-reflect. I've been a little annoyed about Lower Decks this season, even though, you know, the quality's still been relatively high. And I'm also wondering, is it, you know, I'm framing it as I feel like Lower Decks is getting in a rut. Is it also maybe just that, I, you know, I just got my uh, my fix of quote-unquote real Star Trek from Star Trek Strange New Worlds, and after I got my Strange New Worlds fix, I'm maybe, like, less positively inclined to Lower Decks? I mean, I did a little bit of thinking about this, Bob, and I'm kind of wondering, too, if it was, like, Picard, then Strange New Worlds, then Lower Decks. Yeah, so it was, like, the lo- it was like the lowest of the low, yeah. the highest of the high, and then just, like, good, but not amazing. Yeah, maybe that's what they're doing. And now they're back to Prodigy, which is, you know, lowest of the low the again. Lowest of the low, yeah, so. Oh, so, in, in fact, it wasn't it, like, it was Prodigy, then Picard, right? Yeah, or, actually, I think they were, weren't they... What is it simultaneous? I think I think they were coming out at the same time. I think maybe a little at the end or something. Yeah, yeah. So Ooh. I mean, I think that may be it. Like our expectations are slowly rising, and then they get really, really high with Strange New Worlds, and then you're like, oh shit! And then it goes back to lower decks, which is more in the middle. But like with shows like this, where you rely on these Easter eggs and sight gags, like it's probably hard for the writers to keep coming up with new material. That's so why we get kind of a lot of these recycled plots, like the Cerritos is on the brink of destruction, but then it's rescued by some like better ship or ships or whatever. But I think this is my part of my problem too as well when I'm watching Lower Decks, because the Easter eggs are probably the part I enjoy the most, whereas I think you view the characters and the plot as a little more interesting. <laughs> like, yeah, I, th- I think that's true. Like when we analyze true. this, I usually I'm the one like, oh, did you see that? Did you see this? And you're more like, you know, wanting to rank Captain Freeman against the other, you know, captains and i'm like i don't give a shit about captain freeman's leadership ability i don't I, I, love, I love captain freeman yeah i know uh but the one thing i have to appreciate though bob is that paramount plus is constantly feeding us new trek even if a good bit of it's pure shit but at least we're well, getting trek and we're not in this like slump of nothing for which well and this is this is the thing like so on the one hand i think i sometimes sound like a new star trek hater because i feel like discovery has gotten progressively worse and Picard has just Picard has a lot of potential, but it just always wastes that potential, you know. Yeah. And so, on the one hand, I kind of sound like a, a new Star Trek hater, but and granted, I I'm not listening to new Star Trek haters as much as I did a few years ago. 
But the thing that always did drive me up the wall about new Star Trek haters is that they can't fucking admit that like Star Trek sucks a lot. Yeah. Like <laughs> DS9 is the only Star Trek show that's like consistently great for most of its run. TNG like is is mostly great from seasons three through six, mostly. But like seasons one, two, and seven are dog shit. Yeah. And, and Voyager, if you don't believe if you don't believe Bob here, folks, go to Paramount Plus and look at the Next Generation episodes. Say, hey, I want to watch an episode of Next Generation, and just start scrolling through the episodes, and you'll see yeah. that like season one, uh, one or two episodes maybe at the most are great. You know, yeah. season Same two, with season two, yeah. It, like it's it's hard for me to like find when I want to watch. So I'm like, I've seen that one a thousand then, times because like, it's like my, the one that everybody loves. And then my my. My opinion, I think, on season seven is maybe a little less common. Like, most people admit that the first two seasons in action are bad, but go back and watch season seven, man. It's bad. Yeah. Like, it's like every episode is this awful, cloying family episode. Like, they do it for literally every character. It's really bad. So, like, Nexion, like, had its heyday three, four, five, and six, and, like, was mostly unimpeachably good. And, you know, DS9 was pretty much great you know seasons three through seven but like voyager was like literally like every other episode was great every other episode was okay and then every other episode was terrible it was like one two three one two three yeah enterprise you know basically oscillated between being okay and being terrible and you know, even the original series like oscillates between amazing and terrible and it's like so there's a long history of like shitty star trek and I mean, I say that with, I love Star Trek. It's my favorite franchise, but there's a long history of it. So I do get a little irritated with the new Trek haters who just can't acknowledge that like, there's a lot of shit in Star Trek, but I don't, I don't know. That, that was a long kind of thing, but basically to come back around to your point, like I also appreciate that I'm getting a steady diet of Star Trek from Paramount Plus. I honestly, I kind of wish there was less of it in some ways, right? Like I don't really want to watch Picard or Prodigy and I'm just going to do it out of a, like an insane completionism. But on the other hand, like it is in the spirit of the franchise that, you know, every now and again, it's not going to be that great. So, you know, looking at your like average person watching the show, not, not us who like host a podcast and yeah, all not of this stuff. Yeah. I think that everyone is in agreement that Picard sucked. Okay. Even people yeah. that just, they agree, because it's just poorly written. Yeah, and I mean, it's a shame, because, like, a lot of the characters on Picard I really like. Like, I really like uh, Agnes, or Girardi. I really like, um, what's Picard's number one? Ray, Raffi, Massacre. Raffi, yeah. I really like, yeah, I really like Agnes. I really like Massacre. Uh, the Romulan was fine. I don't know why they killed him. <laughs> like, I like the cast of Picard just fine, but it's just, like, the writing, man, of both seasons. Oh, boy. Yeah, it's rough. And, I mean, honestly, though, like, just to give you an idea of, like, where other people are, though, I decided to go and look at Metacritic, Bob. And Metacritic mm -hmm. gives Star Trek Picard a 75. So, 30, oh, out of 34 critic reviews, a 75 out of 100. The user score, Bob, 3.6 <laughs> out of 10. So I do, I do want to slightly defend, because generally... I, I don't know. I, I don't follow critic scores 
but generally I would be someone who would says that you should take critics more seriously than fans. But I, I will say this, I think that's a little skewed on TV shows because generally when somebody is reviewing a TV show, the studio sends them maybe like the first three episodes of the season. Oh, and so okay. I don't, I think like the, I, I think like the comparing, I think the ratings from Metacritic or Rotten Tomato on movies make a lot more sense than the ones from TV shows. Cause those, those reviews are probably just reviews of like the first three episodes. Well, Bob, the meta score for Star Trek Strange New Worlds is 76. So only one point higher. Well, I, yeah, but, but the use the, the, but the fan score is a 6.8. Out of ten, it's only six point eight. Yeah, that's what I'm. I'm confused. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of glad I looked into this. Well, that's because it's that's because the people who vote on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritics are like rabid right wingers who hate anything that has like <laughs> queer people in it. We'll see. I'm kind of curious what they gave Discovery. It's probably in between, if I had to guess. Seventy three. Seventy three. That's that's the critic score or the fan score. The critic score and the and the user score is a three point two out of ten. Interesting, <laughs> interesting. And that's yeah. the that's the season as a whole or the most recent season. As a as a series as an entirety, like everything. Yeah, because I the... guarantee you it would be higher if you just looked at season one. Okay, Bob, you want to hear it? Lower decks, fifty nine yeah. from the critics. Yes, and a four point three from the users. Like, what is wrong with people? <laughs> well, so, I mean... Or what is wrong, wrong with, with us, Bob? What is wrong with <laughs> Well, what's wrong with the fans is that the people who vote on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritics are like culture warriors with a right-wing agenda who have decided that they hate everything that's new Star Trek and they want to downvote it. So... That's why those scores are as low as they are. Well, Rotten Tomatoes gives Strange New Worlds 99% for the critic review and then 80% for the audience. What? So I think the reason the, the critic scores on Metacritic are so similar across the four shows is that I think that, like, look, Strange New Worlds and Lower Decks are not, like, objectively good shows. They're yeah. good shows if you're a Star Trek fan. Right. And... If you're not a Star Trek fan, then I don't think you're definite. You're going to see much difference between Picard and Strange New Worlds or Ooh, Star or okay. Discovery and Strange New so Worlds. So we're more whoever writes the Rotten Tomatoes people are more on our side at this point as far as like what we're looking at. Star Trek Discovery has an eighty-seven percent, whereas the average audience score is a thirty-six. <laughs> okay, that may okay. So maybe I should just get off Metacritic. I've got to make sure I get my stuff from the people who agree with me. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a bit of that, but there's also just a bit of like, like the fact that there's almost no difference in the fan rankings of the four shows on Metacritics, I think shows you that like there's an agenda at play. I don't, I don't think it's just like, oh, you want people who agree with you. Oh God. Star Trek Prodigy, 94% critic review, 72% uh, user audience score. Mm. I, yeah, that, I mean, that was still the most mystifying thing in the world, Matt, when they did that holodeck episode of Prodigy and I got on Twitter and it was like everybody was acting like, oh, this is fine that they just redubbed the voices of a bunch of dead actors in a really shoddy way. Terrible. 
Oh God! All right, all right. So we've gone off a little bit of a tangent here. Don't yeah. worry, I'll I'll be cutting this together, so it'll be a little shorter. But let's see what else all we right. got. Uh, we so were talking about captains' rankings. That's what we got. Captains' rankings. It's time for the list. All right, Matt, give us your list. All right, Bob. When it comes to the rankings, Bob, I got Cisco, Pike, Picard, Sheridan. Although I have Sheridan number four from Babylon Five, but he probably will not be as high by the time I finish B five. If I'm if looking at your ranking is to be taken into consideration. My next is Kirk, but my disclaimer for this is that it's more of the movie characterization, which we've talked about before. I don't really care for the TOS, you know, original series Kirk and movie Kirk are two different things in my opinion. I, are they? I feel like they are, I, yes. I think you just don't care for the TOS aesthetic. I think that's the difference. You think I don't I think you believe that I don't think TOS is, looks cool, so I won't watch yes. it anymore. Maybe I should not watch it on a big on a big screen TV in HD. Yeah, probably you shouldn't. Probably you shouldn't watch it in high def. That's probably not doing it any favors. Probably should try to watch it on like my phone or something and very small. Uh, anyway, I would, usually I, I would not recommend watching things on your phone, but this is yeah. probably that's the closest you're going to get to it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so next, I've got Janeway. Though I do enjoy her on Prodigy, I'm okay with her being on Prodigy. We have the Admiral Janeway cameos, like the actual Janeway. Yeah. That, and then we also have the hologram. It's okay. I'm a little annoyed that they're like using, they're trying to manipulate my good feelings for Janeway into making me like the show. But I also do like the having the further adventures of Janeway. So yeah, it's a real mixed bag for me on Prodigy. All right, Bob. Then I went ahead and put Freeman in there. Freeman can come after Janeway just because. Yeah, because in prior seasons you've just refused to rank her, Matt. Yeah, I'll I'll put Freeman in there because she had Thank a you. lot of uh, leadership decisions to make in this season that I thought were kind of cool. <laughs> Next, I've got Archer. Mainly because I know Scott Bakula could have done so much better with what I've already seen of Enterprise. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I, I really need like a list of just Enterprise episodes that I need to watch because I've watched a, I watched a couple, but you know, and I'm just not impressed. I'll give you the list. All right, now I've got Burnham, Bob, and this is where you know you insert your your New Trek wine here. Let's all kind of like whine about New Trek, but. I just yeah. don't care for Burnham. I, I really don't. Well, and she didn't have to be so bad. It's a writing problem. She didn't have to be such a boring character, but it's, right. it's just the writer's failure. And then if I have to rank, if I'm going to start ranking cartoon characters, I'm going to have to do the kid for Prodigy because he's at the very end and he'll stay at the end forever. He's never moving his way up. No, he's awful. He's awful. Uh, so for me, I would go Cisco 1, Janeway 2, Pike 3, God bless Strange New Worlds. Uh, I would do Kirk at four, Freeman at five, Sheridan at six. I don't know. I think Sheridan is further down for me because I don't love some of the directions Babylon 5 goes. But I also don't know if you will mind them as much as I do. So I I think Sheridan may not fall down as much. I'll I'll be curious to see if he does. Um, After Sheridan, I would put Picard, which is probably too low. But I'm like just seething with bitterness about Picard season two still. still. Um, then I'll put Archer, then Burnham, then the kid from Prodigy. Jesus Christ. All right, Picard, you got to get your, you got to get boosted back up, man. I, I, I'm not expecting anything from season three, which maybe that'll be the way I can enjoy it. <laughs> Please, Lord, let, uh, let, let, let season three be the redemption for Picard. We can get yeah. him further oh, up man, on Bob's it's... list. It's going to be really funny if we when we review Picard season three if we hate it and we just whine about it week to week. That'll be really funny. 
All right. So when it comes to the season rankings, Bob, of Lower Decks, we both agree yeah. that it's season two is probably the highlight of the three seasons, the best. Yeah. Then yeah. season one. And then this last season, unfortunately, is in the last spot. Yeah. Not bad. Not bad by any by any means. But it is kind of bucking the trend of season three being the season where a show gets great, which is broadly kind of true, although it's a little reductive, but it's broadly kind of true of Next Generation, uh, Voyager, and DS9. And some people would say is even true of Enterprise, although I would say those people are wrong. Yeah. And Babylon 5, too. Babylon 5. Throw that in there just because... Oh, no, I thought Babylon 5, it was more season two. Eh. Yeah. Well, the, the, the plot definitely picks up in season three, though. Yeah, there's a lot more going on in season three, I feel. But speaking of Babylon 5 versus DS9... Yeah, people should come join us as we uh, resume our exploration of the two great 90s space station shows on our normal podcast, Babylon 5 versus Star Trek DS9. I think we're actually serious this time. I think we're going to stick with it. I don't think, I think it'll be a while before Picard or Strange New Worlds come out to distract us. So please join us for Babylon 5 versus Star Trek DS9. This has been a special bonus episode of Star Trek Lower Deck Season 3 for Uncanny Tracks. I am Bob in Cascadia. That is Matt in the Southland. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening.